Onisa and I, Christmas morning, drove to Lexington, South Carolina and spent Christmas Day and the following day with our son Steve and his wife and, and her parents had a good time. It was uh, Sarah, our daughter-in-law's first time to fix Christmas dinner, including the turkey for everybody. She did a really good job. The uh, following day, Friday I guess it was, Monisa um, and I were with Stephen. We had gone to Target to get some of the you know discounted after Christmas Christmas lights and those kind of things. And, and while we were on our way, we passed Gold's Gym. And early most morning, Stephen gets up and goes to Gold's Gym, works out, and then drives to Augusta uh, for his job. And as we were driving by Gold's Gym, this is his first year with the membership there, and he was talking about how the employees told him, said, now when it comes January, this place will be crazy. It'll be so packed you won't be able to move and do anything. But don't worry because come February 1, it'll all be back to normal. This is the time of year when we all start thinking about things we want to be different in our lives, ways we want to improve, things we want to do differently. And we we start making New Year's resolutions. And a lot of them deal with, you know, things like weight loss, exercise, taking better care of yourself. I was intrigued by this person's... New Year's resolution list, lose weight, exercise, drink more water, quit smoking, that's a good thing, earlier to bed, uh, drink less, yeah, that's really good, pay off credit cards, hey, he's right on, those are good things to do. But look at that next one, phone mom. Kind of sad that he had to put that on his New Year's resolution list to call mom, but better, you know, late's better than never. All of us have within us this sense of things that we want to be better in our lives, right? Things we want to do better, things that we know we need to change. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a, a good thing. But I know there are other things. What I want to do, I want, I want you to help me for a few moments, okay? And we'll, we'll start with the, uh, the exercise up here because that's one that some people have or lose weight. But what are some other things that in your life, other people's lives, what are some things that people make New Year's resolutions about? So just call it out to me right now. What are some things that will be on some people's New Year's resolutions list this year? What are they? Budget. Okay, budget, uh, budget, finances, you know, spending less, better spending habits, getting out of debt, all of those, a whole list of, of financial issues. But having a budget, what's some others? Read the Bible more. All right, just a second. Read the Bible more. All right, y'all got to be more talkative than this, or this is going to be a be a long day. Okay. Over here, what did you say? Time management. In the first service, someone said, "Become more organized," and um, those are those are similar, um, so we can be more effective, more efficient, more productive, etc. What are some other New Year's resolutions people might make? Come on, come on, join with me. What are they? Pray more. What? Eat better, healthier. Uh, and what was somebody back here? What was y'all say? Uh, pray more, right? All right, give me give me another one. Come on, shout it out. All right, quiet time. Okay, y'all being too spiritual. Come on, give me some of that other stuff y'all get into that you need help with. Come on, what's on your list? Huh? Visit shutting. That's y'all are being okay. Y'all are being really good. Come on. Let's get real. Come on. Huh? Play more, have more fun. Yeah, some some of us need to do that. Play more, fun. Yeah, y'all still being spiritual on me, witness to others. Come on. You gotta act like real people. 
Go on more dates. <laughs> there you go. Your dating life. Yeah. Well, let me just say, maybe make sure you go on the right dates. All right. And we can go on and on and on, have a have a, a big list of things that are on, you know, New Year's resolutions list. But the reality is, for most people, we have a very low success rate at changing anything. All of us kind of intuitive know these things we want to do differently or change in our lives at the start of a new year. And some will even make a list. Others will just kind of make a, a mental list. But the success rate in changing these things, what, ha- what is it? Really low. And many of us will end up in December 2015 with the same things on our list that will be on our list December 2014. We know that. But I want you to think about something. I want you to think about how many of these things that intuitively we know need to be different or better in our life are just naturally connected to things that God wants for us. I mean, let me ask you, does God want us to take care of ourselves, eat well and exercise and take care of ourselves physically? Just naturally connected. Does God want us to be wise stewards, not have too much debt, have the ability to give generously, um, have good spending habits? Just naturally connected to what God wants for us. Read the Bible, of course. Time management. Does God want us to redeem the time, make the most of it, be good stewards of our time so that, that we don't waste life because time and life, you know, you, you really can't separate them? Absolutely. And all of these, all of these things, fun, play, who created fun? Who created uh, Sabbath and time to not work? Who created play? Who created laughter? And it's interesting that intuitively a lot of the things that we know need to be better in our life are not everything, but most of them, many of them are connected to things that God wants for us. The problem is we don't always make that connection. We think about things that we want, we wish, we hope, but we don't always connect it with God. And I think that's one of the reasons we have such a a low success rate in changing things. Because when you don't connect it to God, you leave Him out of the equation, you try to do it pretty much in your own strength. And you're not going to be nearly as successful at things that you do in your own strength as you will be when you connect what you're doing in life with God. And so drawing that connection really matters. And here's what I want to suggest you do. I want to suggest that this next year... Instead of coming up with a list of New Year's resolutions, I want to suggest you identify those things that God wants to do in your life. In 2015, what are some things that God wants to do in your life? Things that God wants to change in your life. Things that God wants to accomplish through you this next year. And instead of coming up with a list of New Year's resolutions, Identify, write down a list. Identify those things that God is saying to you by the Holy Spirit through Scripture, those things that God wants to do in your life, and then rather than trying on your own to change things, I want you every single day in 2015, I want to encourage you every single day in 2015 
to pray, to talk with God about those things that God says this next year he wants to change in your life. And so instead of just trying to do it all on your own, you unleash the power of heaven to change you from the inside out. That you spend every day in 2015 praying about those things that God says to you, put this on your list. This is what I want to do in your life this next year. These are the things I want to accomplish. These are the things I want to change about you this next year. And uh, help us think about that. I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Philippians chapter 4. This is a passage where Paul is talking about the things that we as people naturally worry about. Things that we're concerned about. Things that are on our mind and heart. Burdens we carry. Things we get anxious over. Things that, that worry us. And he's telling us instead of just feeling anxiety and having wishes and wants and so on, He's telling us to pray about them. Now, many of you are familiar with this passage, but I want us to look at it this morning with a fresh set of eyes. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Notice what he says. Be anxious for what? For nothing. Literally in the Greek, it's not even one thing. The King James will translate anxious, I think, as careful because centuries ago, that word meant something different than today. It's the idea of, of cares, concerns you carry around. That's not how we use the word today so much. So don't worry. Don't, don't feel anxious about not even one thing. But in everything, he says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, do what? Tell God about it. Let your request be made known to God. Now, all of us have things that we are concerned about, things that we're anxious about, things that we want to be different in our life. They're just naturally there. We, we intuitively know those things. But there's other areas. There are burdens that we carry, burdens on our heart people we're concerned about, burdens in our lives. And I want us to think about those for a minute. And to, and to help you, and we're going to make a list, but to help you think about it for a moment, I want you to think about some people that, uh, that are on your heart, on your mind, some people for whom you're burdened. So any, do any of you have someone in your life, someone you love, someone you care about, a family member, a good friend, and you love them and you care about them, and they're, they're saved, they're a Christian, they've accepted Jesus, but they're not living for the Lord. And they're backslidden. They're not walking in close fellowship with Jesus. They're being disobedient as a Christian. And you're concerned about them. And they're on your heart. I mean, their name comes to your mind quickly because you're already burdened about them. And, and they're saved, but they're not living right. And they're not living for the Lord. I want you to, you know, don't, don't embarrass anybody, but just a first name. Give me some of the names. Just a first name. Who's, who's someone you're burdened about because they're saved, but they're not walking in fellowship with Jesus? What, give me some names, first names. Come on. Mark, okay. Give me another name. Did you say Bob? I, I'm, my wife tells me I need a hearing aid. Loud. Kyle. Is that correct? All right. Another one. Anybody else? Stephen. Okay. We all have these. They're burdens in our hearts. They're saved, but they're not living for the Lord. All right. Think about this. Any of us, any of you have someone in your life, you care about them, but they're struggling with, with an addiction. They're struggling with some form of abuse. Maybe it's 
uh, sexual promiscuity, maybe it's alcohol, drugs. It could be any number of things, uh, uh, you know, eating disorders. They, they have some kind of addiction, some kind of problem, and, and it's, they're in bondage to it. And they're on your heart and your burden. It's a concern you carry around. Give me some first names quickly. Come on. you got to join in here now. Come on, quickly. Who's somebody? Give me a first name. Come on. Sherry. Okay. Others of you. Give me another name. Stephanie. Is that correct? Stephanie? Okay, and I may have misspelled that, but anyway, it's close. That wasn't my best class in school. Another name. One more. Somebody who's struggling. Anybody? Tommy. Okay. All right, good. Now, think think about people in your life, and you've got a burden for them because you care about them, but they're rebellious. Maybe it's a, a child, teenager, college student, young adult. And they're just rebellious. They're, they're disconnected from the family. They're pushing back. They're, they're rebelling against everything you taught them. They're rebelling. Against, they're just in a rebellious attitude. And you're, you're heartbroken and you're burdened for them. Give me a first name, somebody. Come on. I'm sorry? Gabriel. Gabriel. Give me another one. Christopher. I'll put Chris. Somebody else. Another one. Joe? Jay? Okay. Now, any of you know someone, you care about them, you're concerned, it's a burden on your heart because they're lost. And if they died right now, they go to hell, not heaven. You have no assurance they know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you're burdened, you're concerned about them. Give me a name. Come on. Susan. Give me another name. I'm sorry, what? Cheyenne, and I'm sure I misspelled that, but you all know who it is. All right, another one. Alec, okay, Alex. All right, you get the point? There are things in our life that we want to be different. There are burdens, people, people we care about. And those are burdens on our heart. And they, they, they need to be burdens on our heart. And... We may even pray about these things and for these people. And some of you pray for these individuals faithfully every day. But you know what most of us do? We have all these concerns, those things we want to be different in our life, these burdens we carry around, and we pray for them occasionally. We don't pray for them consistently. We may not even pray with conciseness, with with, with, with a real clear prayer of what we're asking God to do in that person's life or in this particular circumstance. Now, one of the things he says here, these things that, that make you anxious, these things you carry around in your mind and heart, do more than just let them be a burden or a concern. Don't, don't let them just be something you worry about, something you think about, something you wish was different, you hope will be different someday. But instead, he says... Tell God about it. Don't be anxious. Be anxious, what does he say? Not even in one thing, but in everything. Notice that phrase, very important. In everything, in every situation, in every circumstance, in all of this. Instead of just being an anxiety or a concern or a burden, he says instead of that, tell God about it. Tell God about it. Tell God about it. Now, think about your own life. 
Think about your own walk with Jesus. Some of those were um, mentioned over here on the back of your uh, insert, your sermon notes this morning. A whole series of questions that I want to encourage you to use this week in examining your life and allowing God to speak to you about things God may want to do in your life in 2015 when it concerns your walk with Him your finances, different things. Use this as a way to get along with God and hear from God this coming week as you look at your life. Some of you may be dealing with things like you need to sell a house. You need a job. You have a big decision you have to make. And on and on we could go. Things that that are in your life, financial issues. So he says... Be anxious, not even in one thing, but in everything. And all of that, tell God, tell God, tell God. Stop worrying and tell God. Now, let me ask you, why do you need to tell God? I mean, doesn't He already know? Doesn't God know all of this? Of course. So why tell God? Well, let me, ask, let me ask it this way. If you and I don't care enough, if our burden is not large enough that we pray every day about these things that God puts on our heart, why should we expect God to do anything? Now, I'm not saying God won't in spite of us. But I'm saying if we don't care enough to talk to God about it consistently, if we don't care enough, have enough of a burden to pray daily about these things that God says I'm wanting to do in your life, these burdens I'm putting on your heart, if we don't care enough to pray about them every day, why should we expect God to do anything? So I want, to, I want to encourage us this next year to put a bullseye, if you will, on these things. If, if there are budget or financial issues in your life, let that be a target. Someone you're burdened about, let it be a target. An issue in your life, let it be a target, a, a bullseye. Draw a circle around it and focus your prayers on that. Spend this next year, 365 days, every single day, praying specifically about those things that God says to you this next year, I'm wanting to do in your life. Don't just think about it, wish for it, hope for it, but every single day pray about it and pray like never before. One of the um, top-selling books of recent years was this one by Mark Batterson, The Circle Maker. Some of you may have may have read it now. In it, he... he he uses a story from Jewish literature of ancient times, a legend about a, a Jewish religious guy named Honi who uh, lived during a time when there was a drought. And on behalf of the people, he prayed for God to send rain and end the drought. Drew a circle. I won't bore you with all the details of the story. You can read it yourself. But he drew a circle in the ground. And he stood and then he knelt in that circle and he prayed. And he would not leave the prayer until God, leave the circle, he would not stop praying until God answered the prayer and sent rain. Now, whether or not Honey lived or not, we don't know. May have, may not. Much of his story and literature is embellished 
but it makes a great point. And Batterson uses that story to, to then take Bible verses and draw out a spiritual truth. So he takes this ledge and he says, now, let, it, let that illustration be in your mind and think about what the Bible teaches about praying and how God wants us to, to focus our prayers and, and consistently pray and not stop praying about those things He puts on our heart, not stop praying about those things that He's wanting to do in our lives until God answers those prayers. Because the problem is we pray so many hit and miss prayers. We don't pray focused prayers. And we, we don't stay there and keep praying. We, we give up and we quit. We stop too often. Now, so he talks about drawing a circle around those things that God speaks to you about through Scripture and in life that he's wanting to do in your life and stay in that circle. Keep praying about whatever it is until God answers it. I like to think of it like a bullseye. When I was a kid, we would go to shooting matches. Anybody ever into a shooting match? Take your shotguns and there, you know, there's a circle, there's a target out there, a bullseye, and um, you shoot and whoever got the most pellets in the circle won the box of groceries or a side of beef or a, you know, or a hog or whatever they had. And uh, it was a lot of fun as a kid to go to those shooting matches you know, and see if you can win something. Um, it's a bullseye. You know what a bullseye is. It's a target. Well, folks, if God is putting somebody on your heart, why do you think he's doing that? If God, through Scripture, by the Holy Spirit, is convicting you of something in your life that needs to be different, something that needs to be changed, why is God doing that? See, I think these things that intuitively we know need to be different, but we don't connect them with God. It's because we're not really listening to God. The reason we intuitively know those things need to be different is because God is talking to us about them. We may not even recognize it's His voice, but God is talking to us about these things that need to be different, these people we need to care about, these issues that we're facing. And he's doing that for a reason. So he's saying, put a bullseye, make a target of that, draw a circle around it, and focus your prayers. Don't just be anxious. Don't just worry. Don't just wish. But be intentional and be dedicated in your prayer. Let your requests be made known to God. Now, how do you, how do, you do that? He says, by prayer. That Greek word that's translated prayer in your English Bible means worshipful conversation. And so when you and I take our request to know, request to God through prayer, we have to do it in a spirit of worship. The way we do it matters. So do it in a spirit of worship. It's not like writing a letter to Santa Claus saying, here's what I want for Christmas. It's in a spirit of worship, by prayer. Then he says supplication, or your Bible may translate that word petition. It's the request you're making of God that grows out of, has its origin in those things that God's putting on your heart that he wants to do in your life, those burdens that, that you carry, people you're concerned about. And so out of that, you make requests. You bring petitions, supplications on behalf of those things. And then he says, with thanksgiving. Every time you come to God, it's with a thankful spirit. Spirit of worship, a spirit of thanksgiving, making your request known to God. Now, to help you understand this even better, I want to real quickly look at a few more Bible verses. They're in your notes. They'll also be on the screen. James chapter 4, 
Verse 2, notice what he says. You do not have. Why? What's the reason we don't have? Because we don't ask. We don't have, God says, because we do not ask. In, in his book, The Circle Maker, Mark Batterson has a quote. He says, the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. Now, I don't know that that's the greatest tragedy. I think the greatest tragedy is for someone to live and die without ever knowing Jesus, and therefore they go to hell. That's the greatest tragedy. But it is, nonetheless, it is a tremendous, it's a, it's a terrible tragedy. It really is. It's a tragedy. How many prayers go, go unanswered because they go unasked? We just ask once in a while. But there's no consistency. Do you, do you remember Jesus telling the parable about the lady who, the, the, the family that had guests show up late at night and they didn't have enough food to feed them? And so they go over to their neighbor and knock on the door. It's late at night. Neighbors are already in bed, but they're knocking on the door. The neighbor says, we're in bed. Leave us alone. Knocks on the door. We're in bed. Go away. Knocks on the door. And, they, and, and finally gets up and gives them food. And Jesus says, the neighbor didn't do it out of the goodness of the heart. They just did it because you were a nuisance and kept knocking on the door. How much more would your father in heaven who cares about you? God wants you to keep knocking. The Bible never teaches that we're not supposed to pray for things over and over and over and over. What it teaches is don't make meaningless repetition. That's what Jesus said. Don't make meaningless repetition. Don't don't pray the same prayers over and over and they don't mean anything to you. They They don't mean anything to the heart of God. They don't mean anything to the kingdom of God, to the purpose of God. But if it's meaningful to you, it's meaningful to the kingdom of God, God says knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and knock and keep knocking until He answers the prayer however He chooses to answer it. But keep knocking. Or as in the story, the legend of Honi, the, the circle maker, you stay in the circle praying until God answers. Don't just do that, you know, once in a while. Again, I ask, why, why should we expect God to do anything if we don't care enough to talk to God about it? James chapter 4, verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. He's telling us there that uh, for our prayers to be powerful, they have to come from a place other than selfishness. That powerful praying cannot be just about what I want, what I would like. There has to be something more to it. Our motivation matters. And, and the Bible helps us understand that a little bit more in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Notice what, notice what it says. This is the confidence we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now, look at the, look at the phrase again. This is the confidence we have before Him. That little phrase, before Him, matters. The book of Hebrews talks about coming boldly before the throne of grace. See, you approach God, His throne. You enter the presence of God in a unique way when you pray. And the Bible says when you come before Him, when you enter the presence of God in that beautiful, special way that happens when we pray, God wants us to come with confidence. God wants us to come 
boldly. Now that doesn't come out of ourselves. It's not something that's in me. It's not this, you know, crazy teaching you hear about name it and claim it and all of that stuff. And and I just got to sock myself up. It's not that. That's not boldness and confidence that God's talking about. It's not a personal sock job. He tells us. This is the confidence we have before Him when we enter His presence through prayer. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Now start putting this together. The motivation for prayers that change lives and people and circumstances cannot originate just from what I want. But it grows out of what God is wanting to do in my life. What God is using Scripture to say needs to be different about me. What what God says in His Word, He wants to do in this world for His kingdom's sake, for His purposes. Those things that you know are in keeping with the will of God, in keeping with the principles of God as revealed in Scripture. You can come to the throne of God with boldness, praying about those things. Now let me, let me ask you, is it the will of God? Is it the will of God for people who have bad spending habits to make better decisions about how they spend their money? Does the Bible say anything about finances? It says a lot. Does the Bible talk about being in debt to the point that you can't exist? Does, does the Bible talk about giving? Does the Bible talk about savings? Does the Bible, it says a lot. And so you don't need to ask God, is it your will, God, for me to plan for retirement? Is it your will for me to make good spending decisions so that I don't get too far in debt? Is it your will for me, God, to be a giver and be generous? Is it your will for me, God, to do these things that, that help me be stable financially? Absolutely. So pray boldly that God will show you how, that God will give you the discipline. You don't have to ask God if He wants it. you got to pray that God will work in your life to get you to where it happens. Is it God's will for you to read the Bible more? Absolutely. You can pray with boldness about that. Is it God's will for you to take care of yourself physically? So if you're having a problem with eating too much, you don't need to ask God, God, is it your will that I lose weight? God, is it your will that I make better decisions about how I eat? Pray with boldness. See, here's what's going to happen. We're going to pray about the things God's wanting to do in our lives, and because we pray about them, things are going to begin to change or we will stop praying. One of the two. Because it's hard to pray over and over and over for things that God wants to do in my life without change happening. Because if I'm not willing to let God change me, I stop praying about them. So before I lost weight, I'd pray about my weight and eating habits about every six months, one prayer. Kind of like a New Year's resolution. Because you can't, when God says, this is something I want to do in your life, you can't pray about it every day and stay the same. And so the discipline of praying about these things every day, God will use to change you in all these areas. What about burdens? People you care about, people you're burdened, burdened for. Is it God's will for a Christian who's backslidden, to repent and get right with God. 
Yeah, you don't need to ask God. God, is it your will for these names up here, Mark, Kylie, Stephen, etc., to, to come home and renew their walk with Jesus? You just got to pray with confidence. God, convict them. God, make them miserable. God, draw them to yourself. God, change their heart. Change their thinking. God, get rid of the bad friends in their life and bring you. pray with confidence because God wants for them the same thing you want. That's why God put Stephen on your heart. Pray with confidence. It's His will. Does God want people who are struggling with addictions to be free of those addictions? Absolutely. I don't need to ask God that uh, for if it's God's will for Tommy to change whatever needs to change in Tommy's life, if he's got some kind of issue he's struggling with. God wants that for him just as much as you want it because God put him on your heart. So come to his throne with confidence praying for Tommy and Stephanie and Sherry. Does God want those who are rebellious and disconnecting from their families to repent of that and reconnect with family, reconnect with parents? Does God want them to stop making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision that they may spend the rest of their life paying for? Absolutely. You don't have to ask God, is it will for that to happen? You come to His throne with confidence and boldness and you pray for them. Does God want Alec and Cheyenne and Susan to be saved? Absolutely. He's not willing that any should perish. I don't have to pray and ask God. God, is it your will for so-and-so to be saved? It is God's will for so-and-so to be saved. And I can come to the throne of God with boldness and pray every day, every day, God, do whatever it takes to save so-and-so. Change their heart. Convict them. Draw them. Convict them. Now, there's free will. They have to respond. But God works so much more powerfully when we pray consistently. But when God puts it on your heart, Draw that circle around it. Make it a bullseye. Make it a target. And keep shooting at it by daily praying for it until God in His own way and time answers that prayer. Now, God's not always going to answer our prayers the way we want Him to, the way we expect. He'll surprise us. And sometimes He'll surprise us in ways that just are 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 totally shocking and and uh, and then sometimes God has to do things the hard way, but is an answer to our prayers. My dad was saved when he was 53 years old. That's when he became a Christian. And I prayed for years for for, for dad, and um, I knew pride was his problem, and so my prayer was for God to do whatever it took to humble him, because I knew dad would never be saved until he was humbled. And what happened in his life at age 53 to humble him was he went from being very, very successful in his business to a business failure. He went from physically healthy to being in the hospital and having surgeries. And it was actually when he was in the hospital after surgery that he accepted Christ. I went home to Kentucky in July 1987 and I baptized my father in the Kentucky River. We didn't know it then, but he was actually already dying of cancer. August, we discovered he had cancer, and Thanksgiving weekend that year, he was dead. And I've got to tell you, I'd rather have my father in heaven for eternity than on earth for a few more years and lost. Are you willing to pray the prayer that says, God, whatever it takes to accomplish your purpose, 
How much of a burden do you really have? Or do you want God to only do it the way you want God to do it? See, God knows what has to happen in someone's life better than we do. One more verse. Jesus said in Matthew, Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you know what that's really getting at? This, this is the kicker. This is the kicker, okay? Here's the kicker. The key to really powerful praying is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the kicker. The key to powerful praying is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Being fully surrendered to Him and His Lordship in your life, to His purpose, to what He's trying to do in His kingdom and in this world. In, in his book, The Circle Maker, Batterson has another quote I like. He says, Until His sovereign will becomes your sanctified wish, your prayer life will be unplugged from its power source. Now, most of you know what this is, don't you? This is my charger. So my iPhone, getting a little low. If I was home or somewhere, I'd plug it. You know how it works, plug in an outlet, charge my iPhone, my pad, whatever. I'll get in the car in a few moments when we head to Kentucky, and I'll plug this into the charger, you know, or the cigarette light or whatever, and I'll charge my phone, that adapter. Unless this is plugged in, no power. This will, this will run out. This, this will die. Now, if I let the battery die, what? I can't call anybody. I can't surf the web. can't send text, check my email. can't do anything, right? can't listen to music. The power's dead. It just shuts down. Nothing. has to be recharged. has to be plugged in to the power source. The power source for a powerful prayer life is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's the purposes of God. It's the kingdom of God. It's what God's wanting to do in your life and in other people's lives. And it's not just about what you want. Remember, it begins by surrendering. And here it is, the last Sunday before New Year. Surrender afresh this morning to the Lordship of Jesus. That's where it all begins. That's how you plug in to the power source so that your prayers this next year will be powerful. And maybe there's an issue in your life where you're struggling to surrender. Start the process of being, of of, of winning in that area by getting on your face before God today and saying, God, this is my struggle. I can't do this alone. I need your help. Help me. Teach me. God, show me. God, right now, help me surrender that to you. Tell him what you're struggling with. Tell him what your burden is. Tell him he's your Lord. So let's sing together. You come.